And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto the nations and then shall the end come. 1 Peter chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, an holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvellous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Keep your Bible open. We will be referring to this passage in a little moment. Let's pray. Father, we ask for you to strengthen my voice and to bring all things to my remembrance and in my weakness you are strong. So we ask in Jesus' name, Father, that you would take what is said this evening and Lord, teach your people. We ask you, Father, that you would encourage each and every one of us in the house of the Lord this evening. And Lord, that you would just draw near to every single person that is in this place. Father, we worship you and we love you. And there's no one like your son, the Lord Jesus. So, Father, glorify him through the preaching of your word. We ask it for his name's sake and for his glory. Amen. This is the third week. My microphone's not working right. Tell me now, Jeff. Okay, sorry. Okay, okay. This is the third week of God's great and glorious gospel. God's great and glorious gospel. And Peter, when he's writing, we have looked at so much of this, we can't do a full recap. Peter, when he's writing, he's writing to strangers. And we've looked at the word meaning those who are in a strange land, a people who do not, who are not indigenous of that place. And we looked at how they were scattered. James chapter 1 and verse 1 writes to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. And we looked at how Caiaphas mentioned the scattered among the nations and how it gives the idea of a of a handful of grains of sand being thrown into the air and how that would then either separate the wheat, as it were, from the chaff or it's to throw in a certain direction and carried by the wind. We know in our studies and what we have been bringing the last couple of weeks or so that Israel had become two kingdoms. And from then on, they're known as the northern kingdom of Israel, or the house of Israel, and the southern kingdom of Judah, comprising of the tribe of Judah, the tribe of Benjamin, and a scattering of Levi. And in the north, there were ten tribes, and the head name became known as Ephraim. They had a capital city in the north, as we're in Belfast in northern Ireland, they had a capital city in the northern house of Israel called Samaria. And some prophecies are likened to Samaria or onto Samaria. Sometimes it speaks of the city. Sometimes it speaks of the, not just the people in the city, but it speaks of the northern kingdom. And then, of course, we heard of the prophets that were sent. We read of Elijah and Elisha. We have read of Amos. And we've also read of Hosea. And we have showed you carrying it across right into the New Testament how when the Lord Jesus gave some of his kingdom parables, that he was speaking of these two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of the house of Israel and the southern kingdom called the house of Judah. 
Israel, i.e. the northern kingdom, are carried away captive around 721 BC into Assyria. And when they go into Assyria, they never return as a nation again. And we can follow them through archaeology and different prophecies that are enveloping in the earth throughout time. We can follow them across the West and right into the Western nations of Europe and, of course, into the United States of America. We have looked at that in great detail. The southern kingdom was taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. And we read of Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in the fairy furnace. We read of Daniel in the lion's den. And that's in Babylon. And that was Jerusalem was the southern kingdom capital. The way Dublin has a southern uh, capital, is the southern capital of the south, the Republic of Ireland. And if you can keep that in your head or in your mind, there were two kingdoms. They became known as two sons. The parable of the prodigal son, as we know, the young son takes his inheritance from his father and he goes and he wastes it, his substance, he wastes it. And it's the same word for diaspora. It's the same word for gathering a great handful of grain and throwing it into the air. He took his inheritance and he threw it into the air as if it didn't matter anything. And that speaks of the northern kingdom as a kingdom parable. A backslidden people. That's why the backslider is likened unto the prodigal son. Speaks of the northern kingdom who takes their inheritance given by God. Joseph is a name for the northern kingdom as well. And that name Joseph is because Joseph was the father of Ephraim, whose name was over the northern kingdom. And of course Manasseh. But whenever we read of Joseph, we're told that Joseph received the birthright. And Judah, the Judah, the kingly line, he received the scepter from Judah. Judah's carried away by Nebuchadnezzar. And we read of Ezra building the, the book of Ezra, building the temple, and Nehemiah building the walls of Jerusalem. And then from that through time comes the Lord Jesus Christ. Around 40 odd thousand, some say up to nearly 49,000 come out of Babylon and they form the, the, the Jewish nation that are in Jerusalem where the majority of them stay and intermarry and intermingle. We get the Babylonian Talmud. We get the traditions of men that Christ talk about and it's brought across and into the, the, the original Hebraic Israelitish worship. And so the worship you hear in Judaism today is not the true worship of the Israelites. It is not the true worship. It is a mongrelized mixture of traditions of men, like the Mishnah and all their writings. They hold it in power with the word of God. And so it's a, a mongrelized version. That's why Christ comes and he says to the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they weren't even Israelites, most of them in their origin. They were uh, from Esau, Edom line. Herod, the Tetrarch, he was from Esau. He wanted to see why, he, he seen God blessing his people. And he says, I'm an Esauite, but I'm a proselyte. He becomes Jewish if you want. So he wasn't a true Judahite. And he wasn't a true Israelite. He was from Esau, Edom. And that's why he was wicked against God's people and against the Christ of God. He was from the wicked one, the devil. And the scribes and the Pharisees and the Sadducees had all differences among themselves. Didn't believe in the resurrection and the Sadducees. And the Pharisees did believe in the resurrection. 
And it went on like this. And when Christ comes, there's 613 oral traditions and commandments to be kept for salvation in their eyes and in their books. And Christ announces every single one of them. Just like today, people are saying, do this and be a good person and go to this denomination and take the mass or rub the rosary or, or, or count the beads or, or he must pray to Mecca three times a day to face Mecca or you must be in a certain condition in yourself or you must clean up your act or you must be a good parent and it's all to do with salvation friends it's got absolutely nothing to do with salvation Christ came and throws it all out and he says that salvation is a person he alone is salvation personified There's no new temple to be built and sacrifices for salvation of the Jewish people. None whatsoever. They may try it. They may even accomplish it at some point. But at the same time, it will never bring salvation. Salvation alone is found in Christ alone for anyone. Now, I don't make apologies for saying that. I do not make an apologies for saying that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to cleanse every sinner that will come to him. And we need no other argument and we need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Maybe you're looking to a religion. Maybe some of us are looking to denomination. And nevertheless, None of it can save us. No philosophy or ideology can save us. But Christ and Christ alone. Jesus paid our debt. Jesus shed his blood to ransom us, ransom us back to God again. And that is the gospel. It is great and it is glorious. The gospel would go to every nation before the end comes. Matthew 24 Verse 14, the gospel of the kingdom, a gospel identifying God's elect, identifying God's people, those whom Christ has called by his grace. And it shows the, the healing power of God and, and through his people. And it'll show the, the government of God and the lives of his people, the leading of God and the separation of God's people, the sanctification of God's people and the blessing of God among his people. It's all the kingdom gospel and this would be preached in all the world or in all nations and then the end would come I think you and I could agree with each other this evening that we're almost there I think that the gospel has went all around the world there may be the odd person or place where maybe has not been heard but I would say that even this evening the gospel has went across the nations the Lord has worked a wonder The Lord has done a great thing. The Lord has become a great blessing through his people. Now, let me put it like this. The scattered wheat were also known as treasure hid in a field. Let me just get a drink. My throat's sore. It's like treasure hidden in a field. The parable of the treasure. We looked at it last week. And the treasure is Israel. Hid in the field, Jesus says in the parable, the field is the world. And the, the scattered wheat going westward was hid in the world. And God would send his, his wonderful, comfortable words onto this treasure. 
Then the next parable was the, the pearl of great price. Not Christ himself, but the church of Jesus Christ. The church of God and Christ. That church is the, the pearl which is formed and fashioned in the wounds of a pearl. Or of an oyster. And the church was fashioned and formed and birthed in the wounds of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ at Calvary's cross. We've looked at so much, I can't go on any further with it. But let me just go to where we were finishing off last week. We looked last week at how the Lord says in Jeremiah 16 and 16, Behold, I will send for many fishers, saith the Lord, and they shall fish for them. And after will I send hunters, and they shall hunt them from every mountain, from every hill, and out of the holes of the rocks. Here he speaks of hunters across land, fishers across the sea. And Christ comes and he says, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. He says that in the book of Jeremiah, 600 or so years, maybe more, 600 or so years before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Christ comes and calls men to be fishers, also hunters. I want to say to you how we looked at how Paul was forbidden of the Holy Ghost to go eastward but go westward because Israel, the house of Israel, had traveled west, we believe. Paul spoken of going to Spain, to Rome. We have seven churches in, in where Turkey is today. We have the dispersed among the Greeks or the, the dispersed among the, the Greek nationals or, or those who are of maybe Spartans are believed to be off the house of Israel as well. So many of them had changed and fashioned and formed and then they became heathenized and became such sinners that they were lost to themselves, just like you and I are lost in our sin, lost in our de- depravity of our nature. We're lost to, to everyone, but we're never lost to God. His eye is on the sparrow and his eye is always on you and I. Listen to what he says. And Hosea 2 and 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her. Again, the book of Hosea is parabolic. Hosea is a type of Jehovah or Yahweh. And Gomer, his wife whom he marries, is a type of the house of Israel. Judah is still walking with God. This is the house of Israel. Read your, your, your biblical history. This is the house of Israel, the northern kingdom of the ten tribes who were, who had Ahab as his wicked king, along with almost every other and many other kings. And so we read how Hosea is a type of Yahweh. And also, not only Hosea, but Gomer is a type of the house of Israel. And he marries this woman of whoredoms who, who represents Israel who have allowed all sin to come into their land. Then he casts her out and she leaves him and he goes to redeem her again. And that's a type of Israel cast out of the promised land and scattered like that grain of wheat which is scattered. Amos chapter 9 tells us of that. And then we're told at how Hosea goes and marries her again or brings her into his bosom again. And that speaks of the gospel going, the, the, the glorious gospel going to redeem us, to call us the gospel of grace, to call us and back reconciled unto the Father in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful plan of salvation and it's a wonderful and glorious gospel. Turn with me, please. 
to the book of Hosea. Now you're listening well to me and I thank you because my voice isn't easy to listen to. Believe me, it's even harder to speak uh, because it's sore this evening. Turn to the book of Hosea, chapter 1. We will skim across it. I can't give a full gusto tonight to preach. I feel a bit, feel a bit under par. You just have to bear with me. Hosea chapter 1. It's a little bit after Daniel. Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea. The word of the Lord came to Hosea. On the son of Berai, in the days of Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, king of Judah. And in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel. Notice the two different kingdoms. King of Judah, king of Israel. Judah the south, Israel is in the north. Judah is where we get the name, the, the nickname or derivative name Jew from. Okay. See, you see the difference in the peoples here. Beginning of the word of the Lord of Hosea. And the Lord said to Hosea, Go take unto thee a wife of whoredom, the children of whoredom, for the land hath committed great whoredom departing from the Lord. So he went and took Gomer, the daughter of Dibliam, and con- which conceived and bare him a son. Now notice the language. And the Lord said unto him, Call his name Jezreel, for yet a little while, and I will avenge the blood of Jezreel upon the house of Jehu, and I will cause the cease, notice, the kingdom of the house of Israel. I will cause to cease the kingdom of the house of Israel. And shall come to pass at that day that I will break the bow of Israel in the folly of Jezreel. And she conceived again. That's his wife, Gomer, has conceived again and bare a daughter. And God said unto him, call her Loruhama. For notice the language, I will have no more mercy upon the house of Israel. But I will utterly take them away. Notice the language. But I will have mercy upon the house of Judah and have mercy upon the southern kingdom. Do you see that? And will save them by the Lord their God and will not save them by bow or by sword or by battle, by horses or by horsemen. Now when she had weaned Loruhama, she conceived and bare a son and then said God, call his name Lo-Ami. For ye, notice the language, are not my people, and I will not be your God. This is to the house of Israel now. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sound of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, ye are not my people, there it shall be said unto them, ye are the sons of the living God. Now take note of that. Here he says to the house of Israel, You'll not be a kingdom. You're going to be finished. You'll not be my people. I will not be your God. I'm going to cast you out. I'm going to make an end of you. But the southern kingdom of Judah, he says, I will be merciful to them. And he calls these names, especially the last two, which is Lo Ruhama. And he says, I will have no more mercy upon the house of Israel. And the next one is a son Again, and he's, he says, call his son, his name, lo, ami, ye are not my people. Now I notice the gospel of grace coming. <clears throat> notice the mercy of God. Notice the love of the Father for us here. Notice what he says. Yet, the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. Yet those who I scatter will multiply. Ephraim shall become as according to Jacob's blessing. 
Ephraim shall become a nation and a company of nations, a commonwealth of nations. And there will be a great nation come out of them, of Manasseh. That is the older son. A great nation shall come out of them. And as they grow, they're lost to themselves. But God knows every single grain of wheat. He says they'll be so numerous, they'll be like the sand of the sea. And we find them today in the earth, in the British Isles and the Commonwealth of Nations. And the United States of America, you find them in like of Australia, which is Commonwealth, in Canada and South Africa. Isn't God's word absolutely fantastic? And in the sending forth of the gospel of grace, ears are hearing the word of God of a Christ who died for them. That's what you hear when you hear the gospel. Of a Christ who shed his blood for them. That's what you hear when you hear the gospel. And the Holy Ghost quickens the dead heart. And there's alluring, comfortable words are spoken to our lives. And calls us from our sin. And wakens us from our death. Wakens us from our sin and our our spiritual death. To see Christ on the cross of Calvary. The Lamb of God bearing away our sin sin redeeming us back to our husband again and he's going to come back again the bride and the bridegroom and Christ is returning and there's going to be a great marriage feast where you and I will be robed in white clothed in the righteousness of Christ saved for time and eternity because we're born of the spirit we're washed in the blood we're justified of the father and we are righteous in his sight that is not a wonderful gospel it's not a wonderful gospel I'm getting hurt I'm sorry folks notice what it says here again I went off my notes. You'll have to stay with me for a minute. It says, Yet shall the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured nor numbered. And it shall come to pass, and in the place where it was said unto them, You're not my people. There it shall be said unto them, Ye are the sons. Notice, ye are the sons of the living God. Here's a marvelous gospel of grace. Notice what the Lord says. He says, on, he says in Hosea chapter 2 and verse 14. I'd love to do a study verse by verse for you through the book of Hosea. It's a marvelous book. Hosea chapter 2 verse 14. Therefore, behold. Now look at this. Hallelujah. Behold, I will allure her. That is, speaking of Gomer. She's on. She's, she, she's among the destitute. Speaking of the house of Israel, among the destitute scattered throughout, well, what's called the nations, but there were very few nations as we know them today like that there. It says, behold, he says, I will allure her. Notice, and will bring her into the wilderness. This is the wilderness of Europe and Scandinavia and so on. And will bring her into the wilderness and speak comfortably to her. Isn't that beautiful? That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Comfortably is the word live. It means I will speak to their heart. Speak to the mind. Speak to the understanding. The inner part. The soul and the conscience. I will speak to the appetites of their emotions. And their passions and their thinking. And we see here. How Christ through his gospel. How he speaks to us. The saving grace of the Lord Jesus. And how he he draws us through his Holy Spirit. <coughs> now let me go, if you will, to First Peter. I'll tell you what, before we go to First Peter, look at Hosea 
Again, chapter 1, if you've still got your finger on it. Pardon me, folks. Chapter 1. Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea. Notice what it says. And it shall come to pass that in that place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there shall it be said unto them, Ye are the sons of the living God. Now, when this gospel starts going forth and reaches men and women, it starts to reach out to these lost sheep. When it starts going across, the early apostles at the day of Pentecost start going out, seeking out, start preaching the word. And as they start going out, they start coming west. And the early church comes over. Not Rome didn't bring Christianity to these islands. The early apostles and the early church brought Christianity to these islands. They became known as the Celtic church. They became known, uh, in fact, the, the people who came here were known as the Kaldi. The Kaldi church or the Kaldi church. And it means those, uh, those who are, are likened unto the sons of God. In other words, they came preaching in power. Came preaching in boldness. And we have the Celtic church even before the Roman church. Now notice this. When we get to John chapter 1. If you want to turn to it briefly. I know I told you to go there to Peter. Go to John chapter 1. One little verse. It just jumps right out at us. To do with this gospel. <coughs> Verse 11 says, He, the Lord Jesus, came unto his own, and his own received him not. Verse 12. But as many, as many as received him, to them give he power to become the sons of God. What's that Hosea said? It will be said to them, you are the sons of God who are cast out. To those of us who are in Christ, he says, you are the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Isn't that fantastic? Notice this here, Romans 8 and 14, Paul says, for as many as are led, notice, led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. In other words, you cannot now Call yourself a son of God unless you're quickened by the Spirit of God and led by the Spirit of God and found in the Christ of God. And the question is, are we found in Christ? 1 John chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 says this. Behold what manner of love The Father hath bestowed upon us. The idea there is what sort of alien type of love. A love unknown. A love unheard of. A love never experienced like this before. That's the idea which John is crying out. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the word knoweth us not because it knew not him. Beloved, Now are we the sons of God. When are you a son of God? A daughter, speaking generically here. When? Now. When you're you're in Christ and led by the Spirit, now you're a son of God. Not when you get to heaven. 
Your sonship starts now. He's calling his own back. Now are we the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear. We shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. What is John telling us? He says now we are sons. Right here and now. But when Christ returns. When Christ's second coming happens. He says when we see him coming. We will be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, and we shall be like him. Brethren, sisters, you're going to have no more sore throats like I have tonight. You're not going to have any more aches and pains. You're not going to be feeling tiredness in your body. You're not going to be feeling the weariness of the flesh. You're going to be changed in a moment, not caught up in a moment. You're changed in a moment. That's what the scripture says. In the twinkling of an eye. So here we see the wonderful words uh, that Hosea had prophesied unto the house of Israel all those years ago. Notice what Hosea says, chapter 2 and verse 23. The Lord says, I will sow her unto me in the earth. Speaking again of the house of Israel. I will sow her unto me in the earth. <clears throat> and I will have mercy upon her that hath not obtained mercy. And I will say unto them which were not my people, Thou art my people. And they shall say, Thou art my God. It was a time when you were walking in your sin, brother, sister. You didn't want to know Christ. You were dead to him. Your back was toward him. You lived a life of sin and a life of shame and immorality. Iniquity abounded in your life. You had no thought of God, no reverence for God. You just didn't want to know him. The thought of even coming to a gospel meeting, the thought of reading the Bible, the thought of a prayer meeting, for sure was the worst thing for, for your mind to comprehend. But now you've obtained mercy through the preaching of the gospel. And those who are not his people, in other words, he said to them, you're no longer my people. He said, my merciful heart. Just loved you. All down through time, his merciful heart just loved you. His merciful heart loved me. Why? I'll never know. Maybe sometime he'll be able to express it to us. But all through eternity, he had his heart fixed on his people and he called us to himself. He's a wonderful God. This is God's great and glorious gospel. You and I. <clears throat> Are saved, born again, washed in the blood, redeemed by the blood of Jesus through comfortable words that is the gospel of saving grace, who has spoken to the inner man and the inner woman, spoken to our souls and to our conscience, to the seats of our appetites and our emotions, to our passions and to our thinking. And we saw the beauty of Calvary's cross. We saw the beauty. Of the Lamb of God. Saved, redeemed, born again. We've received mercy. Sons of God. Blood washed, blood bought, spirit filled. We are the good seed that was sown into the air. Now being gathered into Christ's garner. And all the dross has been blown away from us. 
because you and I are being made a people fit for the kingdom of God. That's what God's doing with us. I'm going to finish with this. I'm going to do another week because I have a whole lot more to tell you there. And plus my throat's nearly given out. <laughs> Go to Peter. First Peter, please. Chapter 2. And verse 10. Which in time past were not a people. Do you notice that? Peter's writing to scatter Israel. Peter's thinking of Hosea's words. Which were in time past were not a people, but now, but are now the people of God, which had obtained mercy. Had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Quoting Hosea, what had happened in Christ. That's what Peter's doing here. And it says in, in, in Second Peter, he writes to those who have obtained like precious faith with us. And here he's saying those of us who have heard this word and received this Christ and trusted this wonderful work in Calvary. He says we are. We are redeemed with precious blood. The gospel goes west because Israel went west. I believe it with all my heart. Do you ever wonder why it didn't go to China? First, I mean. I said it last week, why not India first? You know, Thomas went to a part of India, but there's a reason there. Why not up into northeast Russia, where it is today? Why not Africa first? Way down there. Why west? Because Israel went west. Here's another proof from the glorious Protestant Reformation. Here's another another truth for you. In 1453, we had the flight of the Greek scholars into Western Europe from the area of Constantinople. The the original scriptures were brought into Antioch. And the Christians, the believers were first called Christians in Antioch. Now came over, started coming more west into Constantinople. And then they fled in 1453 because of, uh, of Islamic powers coming in. And there's all wars and troubles around at that time. It's another study. And they started, they, they came, those who could speak Greek and they were scholars, brought the scrolls of the word of God with them. In 1454... The invention of the printing was first made in in Holland and shortly after that in Germany. Why Holland and Germany? Because many of these Israelites went to Saxony, became known as Saxons. As they came across, the printing press was invented. Why? Because they would bring forth kingdom fruit. They would print the Bible and bring the word of God. In 1458, the Greek language was first taught in European universities. In 1476, Caxton introduced his printing to England. In 1516, Erasmus printed his Greek New Testament. 
1518, Zwingli printed the first Swiss New Testament. In 1522, Luther's New Testament was printed in German. In 1526, Tyndale's English New Testament and the Swedish Bible were printed. In 1537, the Danish Bible was printed. In 1539, the great Bible was placed in every church by royal command. It was Henry VIII. And in 1611, the authorized King James Version, known as the book that changed the world, was printed. Is that coincidence? Is that just being, is that a through other idea? Is that just, uh, is that like a, a stronger species over another? No, it is the great and glorious gospel of God and the earth that all nations would hear of the precious blood of Jesus. It's all in his plan and all in his purpose. And of course, as Pentecostals, we can't leave out Pentecost. Is it strange that when we look at the great revivals before that of the great awakenings in the United States and in Britain and all the great well-known preachers before we have, we have a, a George Haddon Spurgeon. We had John Knox before that in Scotland. The Reformation took hold in what was known as Mary's Diary, the British Isles, which Rome has tried to conquer and is trying even still. And how Mary's Diary, as they call it, would be tried to be called back in again. But yet this little nation stood along with the Dutch as a reformed faith. With a monarchy and the throne of David. Is it all... Just a matter of fact, is it all just by chance or is this all divinely placed together? We think of the first Pentecostal outpouring was not in Azusa Street. It was not in Azusa Street. We hear it all the time, Azusa Street, Azusa Street. It was not there first. It was in Topeka, Kansas. Five years before Azusa Street under Charles Barnum. Then it came five years later, Pentecostal flame came. And the revivals came and Pentecost came to Great Britain. George and Stephen Jeffries of Elam churches believed this message I'm teaching you, taught this message I'm teaching you. The apostolic the Hutchison brothers and the Williams of the old apostolic faith believed and taught this. And now it's been thrown out. Men and women forgot all about it. And they say, oh, it's a controversial thing. Well, you know, I'd rather be controversial with the truth than live in luxury with a lie. Amen? Got a close. We had Bible societies sending out missionaries, printing the word of God. The King James Bible. I know it's written in 
old English language. But listen, if people can learn to speak Shakespearean on a play, then they can learn English in the King James. It's the Bible that changed the book, that changed the world. Divine healing came. All poured out in the West. Why? Why? Because Israel came West. That's why. And it was poured out here. The Spirit of God was poured out upon us. Why? That we would bless everybody else. That we would be a blessing to all nations. A servant people in the earth. Why? When there is famine or earthquakes, <clears throat> disasters, why is it the West that always sends out the aid? You'll never, very rarely, I shouldn't say never, very rarely hear of an Islamic country sending aid even to their own people. Why? Because God says, I will bless thee and I will make you the blessing. That's why we are blessed. To be a blessing to others. He hath called us out of darkness, Peter says. And then to his marvelous light. And we're saved to serve Christ. We're saved to serve.